Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From the banks of the Charles River, this is Reporters Roundup. Bringing you the stories, making news right now on WBZ News Radio 1030. WBZ News Time 1230. 32 degrees in Boston. Good afternoon. I'm Rod Fritz, WBC News, and welcome to Reporters Roundup on this Wednesday, January 10th, 2018. Here are the stories making news right now. The death toll rises in the deadly California mudslides. I'm Steve Futterman. This is Carl Stevens. Governor Baker has something he would like to say to the U.S. Attorney for Massachusetts on the issue of marijuana. Making a push for a musician laureate for Massachusetts. This is Ben Parker. I'm Adam Kaufman. Quiet night in Boston sports tonight, but the Celtics getting ready for the Sixers tomorrow in London. And could Gordon Hayward return soon? Why Kodak and an ice tea maker are jumping on the cryptocurrency craze. I'm Tracy Jockey for Bloomberg Business. WBZ News Time 1231. This portion of the news is brought to you by Toyota's official website for deals. Buyatoyota.com. The death toll has gone up in the aftermath of mudslides in Southern California. Joining us on Reporters Roundup, CBS News correspondent Steve Futterman and Steve. Well, first it was the fire, and now it's the rain that is deadly. Listen, this is what you expect when you have uh, big fires. What comes afterwards, uh, the rains, and with the rains often come the mudslides, and that's what we're dealing with here right now. These mudslides, the worst is probably over, but the danger continues. There's no rain today, but these mountains and hillsides are still very much saturated. So there is still the potential for mudslides. So people still have to be very, very careful. So give us an idea of exactly where in Southern California this is, Steve. This is uh, the area is hard to hit. There are a lot of areas that have had small mudslides. We just haven't reported them. But the big mudslides, the ones that have resulted in deaths, are in Montecito, which is north of Los Angeles, very close to Santa Barbara. It's a very popular area, a very uh, high-profile area, very expensive homes. Oprah Winfrey has a home here. Ellen DeGeneres has a home here. And this is the area that was really hit by the, the most vicious, violent, and unfortunately deadly mudslides. And I understand the death toll's up to 15 now. There could be more. Um, how is it that these folks are not getting out of there? Is there no warning? There was warning. Just There were a couple of things that came uh, came up. First of all, even the people who were killed probably were prepared to leave. They just hadn't left yet. We didn't think these storms would be that strong. They were quite strong, very violent, and that resulted maybe in uh, more intense mudslides than people expected. We knew this was going to happen. Sunday night, uh, all the newscasts in Los Angeles were, were, were reporting the fact that if you're in a, a fire area, you should be uh, ready to leave. People were ready to leave. They just hadn't left yet. And you say the threat is still there, but is it going to stop soon? 
Oh, yeah, right right now what you have, it's going to be It's better today than yesterday. It'll be better the next couple of days. The mountains need to dry out. Uh, the, the water inside these uh, hills, uh, the, remember, they're, they're in the hills right now. That has to, to evaporate. So for the next few days, there will be some danger. As each day goes by, less and less danger. But we've seen situations before where you have a big storm, and then two, three days later, you can have a mudslide. These mountains are really vulnerable right now. There's no vegetation trying to solidify them. Uh, it's very easy for these water waters to suddenly turn it into a uh, just a river of mud, and that's what we've seen. That's correspondent Steve Futterman in uh, Montecito, and thank you, Steve. You're listening to Reporters Roundup on WBZ. You know it's called cryptomania. <laughs> And it's become an up-to-date craze of many companies in this new Bitcoin world. Tracy Jonke joins us from Bloomberg Business now to explain what's going on. I'm confused. What's this all about? This is about the 21st century version of the Midas Touch Rod. Companies have discovered that if they simply utter the words Bitcoin or any other jargon linked to cryptocurrencies, their stock is as good as gold to investors. Mostly it's been small-time companies like an iced tea company based where else but Long Island. But uh, big names also are getting into the act. The latest is Eastman Kodak. The stock doubled yesterday when Kodak announced it would introduce its own cryptocurrency called Kodak Coin. The stock doubled in, uh, again, doubled in value and is up another 66% right now, Rod. I'll take paper money anytime. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Tracy Junkie. You know, there are times when the motives of people in charge have to be questioned. Joining us on the Ring Central Newsline on Reporters Roundup, Patrick Johnson, a reporter with the Springfield Republican and MassLive.com, who found out the hard way. When the simple act of taking a picture, a photograph of a public building turned into a First Amendment dust-up. I read the article, Patrick. It's awesome. So tell us how this unfolded for you here. During my lunch break, I like to go for a walk downtown. And when I'm walking around, if I see something that catches my eye, I pull out my cell phone like a lot of people do, and I take a picture of it. And I'm coming up on the Springfield State Office Building, which is this historic building in Springfield, and it's got a lovely facade and everything, and the light was on it in such a, the right way. And I pulled out my phone, and I took a picture of the doorway. Simple as that. Started walking on my way. I wasn't paying attention to anything. And the next thing I know, the security guard is right behind me yelling, Sir, I'm going to have to confiscate your phone. Uh, and I was like, what? Why did he uh, say he wanted to confiscate your phone? He was under the impression that no one is allowed to take a picture of the building. And I said, what are you kidding? And he said, no, you can probably figure out why we can't have you taking a picture. The implication being they don't want terrorists to take pictures of the building. And did he confiscate your phone? No, he gave me the choice. He said, I'm going to confiscate your phone or you can delete the photo right in front of me. It was raining. I'm a reporter. I probably should have protested. But in the back of my mind, I was like, did they change the law so you can't take a picture of public buildings? And I'm not aware of it. So there was a whole moment of doubt. And I deleted the photo. But if you're familiar with an iPhone at all, deleting a photo is a two-step process. You delete it, but you can still get it back. So I just did the one step in front of the guy to keep this guy happy. And then I went on my way. And then, of course, retrieved it. Now, I know you've contacted state officials to find out, you know, what the heck is going on here. What did they tell you? Uh, at first, I got no response from DCAM, 
They're the people who, who manage the building. Then I went through the freedom of information process, and that's time-consuming. And then I worked my way up the chain of command. I went to the governor's office. They essentially punted. They said, oh, you have to talk to DCAM about this. And so I started going through the DCAM spokespeople, and their responses initially were, no, you're not allowed to take a picture of the building. And I went back and forth with them, got the ACLU involved, and I filed a, a freedom of information for the videotape. You can actually see me walking down the street and taking a picture, and this guy charges out of the building at me. And, you know, we went back and forth, and finally the DCAM people said they heard from their higher-ups that, no, I was right and they were wrong, essentially which well, I take a certain amount of comfort in knowing that the world isn't totally insane. Yeah, because, I mean, people take pictures of the architecture of buildings all the time, whether they're state or federal buildings or just regular residential buildings. Yeah, uh, like like uh, Bill Newman from the ACLU said, I mean, do you start threatening to arrest people taking pictures of the, of the Statehouse Dome? There are people doing that every day. The thing that really interested me since this happened, I've been hearing from people, people call me back and saying that it happens to them a lot. At that building, if you need to go in there on business, they stop you at the door. And then some people say it's worse than the federal courthouse here. Uh, I've heard people say that they've been stopped on the street by police if they're taking a picture of this or taking a picture of that. <laughs> it's just amazing. Yeah, we're not in Moscow here. We're in Springfield. Yeah. <laughs> One person said, the same thing happened to me in Istanbul. They made me delete a photo I took of a police officer doing something, and I retrieved the photo the same way, but I'm shocked to hear that it happened to you in Massachusetts. Well, that hasn't stopped you from taking pictures, though, has it? No. It's nice to know that I haven't gone crazy, that that you're still allowed to take a photo of things in Massachusetts. Yeah, we're happy too. Patrick Johnson, a reporter with the Springfield Republican and MassLive.com. If you get a chance, read the article. It is quite amazing. WBC News Time 1248, 34 degrees in Boston, and good afternoon. I'm Rod Fritz. Here are some of the stories that we're following on Reporters Roundup. California Republican Congressman Daryl Issa announces he will retire at the end of this term. His decision comes the same week that Republican Representative Ed Royce, chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, says he's going to retire. The Pollard Library in Lowell projected to be closed for the rest of the week after a water pipe burst. Damage estimated to be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And coming up, they're meeting on Beacon Hill today to possibly create a new position for the state. WBC's Ben Parker will join us on Reporters Roundup. On the Ring Central Newsline from the aceticket.com sports studio, WBZ's Adam Kaufman. I got a question here because I saw mm -hmm. this tweet yesterday. Okay. Danny Ainge. Celtics president of basketball operations. Heard of him. And it was a picture of a guy without a leg brace on. Gordon Hayward. Oh. No ankle brace. Yeah. It was a big deal when he ditched the walking boot. Now no ankle brace. So What's that mean? Well, we don't know if it means he's ditched it entirely. He's just not wearing it. For all we know, there are points of the last several weeks yeah. he's, he's walking around without he an ankle brace on. could have had an itch. You know, sometimes you got to scratch it. Right. But it is a positive sign. Somebody asked me on Twitter, can a medical professional please explain what, what could or would keep him from returning in, say, eight weeks, which was a timetable some people had mentioned if this thing wasn't season-ending because it appears to the untrained eye that this comeback is realistic. Yeah. So I connected this individual with Dr. Selim Parekh. He is professor of orthopedic surgery 
at Duke, also co-founder of the Fantasy Doctors, so tends to weigh in on a lot of injuries. You know, the doctor was asked, you're not involved with this case, we know that, but any surprise with where he's at in his recovery so far? The doctor said, from what I can tell and what I've heard, he's progressing well. I think he will play by late March or early April because he is slightly further than I had expected. This team, if it does get Gordon Hayward back, that's another feather in your cap, as we know. You could start him conceivably more likely bring him off the bench for 12-15 minutes as he ramps up, gets himself back to health. I'm certainly not going to tell you Gordon Hayward is definitely coming back this year. How could I say that? He couldn't say that. But, and I'm asked this all the time, will the Celtics rush Gordon Hayward back? The answer to that question is an emphatic no. No. He is no. an investment. His career is an investment. This is the first of a four-year deal worth $128 million. Celtics not only will not rush him back, they won't let him rush himself back. The priority is being healthy next year. But if he can give it a go this year and help him for the stretch run, how wonderful would that be? You know who else is coming back? Tell me. It's Red Sox Mitch Moreland. Oh, it's, you know what? They have needed just a gritty first base type who can hit a couple balls out of the park, haven't they? Got they? One. they got one. Mitch Moreland. Looking forward to it. Adam Kaufman, thank Thank you. Today we have a follow-up to a story that we talked about yesterday on Reporters Roundup. It's reaction to the U.S. attorney from Massachusetts saying he might level federal charges against people who engage in marijuana-related activity that is legal under state law. On the Ring Central Newsline, WBZ's Carl Stevens, you talked to the governor. Yeah. Governor Charlie Baker about this. He's not very happy. Well, he's not real happy with the U.S. Attorney for Massachusetts or the whole federal position on marijuana. The fact that the feds might seek to prosecute individuals who are engaged in activity that's legal under state law. He's not real happy about that. And I spoke to the governor after an event focusing on dealing with the opioid crisis. And so it was really from that vantage point that the governor responded to our questions about what he thought of what the U.S. Attorney had to say. And what he said was, Look, if this guy's got limited resources, and the U.S. Attorney for Massachusetts indicated, I have limited resources. And the governor said those resources should be focused on things that are killing people in the Commonwealth every single day, and that's the opioid epidemic. He said, listen, he needs to focus on that. The implication being, what are you doing spending time even thinking about prosecuting people for marijuana? Second point from the governor, he said this guy, the U.S. Attorney for Massachusetts, needs to acknowledge and recognize the fact that the people of Massachusetts spoke very clearly on this issue when they, the people, gave the green light to recreational marijuana. Now, there's also a ripple effect here. The U.S. Attorney's remarks have had an immediate effect on the uh, sale of uh, medical marijuana dispensaries here. Yep, yep. What we saw in the clinic the day after, I mean, just yesterday, I got the call on this, and that is that a major debit card processor has pulled the plug. That if you want to get a product there at a medical marijuana dispensary, you got to pay cash. No more debit card in most locations. So that was an immediate effect. It remains to be seen what other effects might happen, especially when recreational marijuana goes online, if the federal government is serious about possible prosecution. All right, WBZ's Carl Stevens. Well, there's a hearing on Beacon Hill today that would create the position of Musician Laureate for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. 
WBZ's Ben Parker on the Ring Central Newsline joins me here in the studio. What's this all about? You know, Rod, there is a poet laureate in Massachusetts, but there is no musician laureate. Today, the Joint Committee on Tourism, Arts, and Cultural Development held a hearing on a bill uh, that was filed uh, by Senator Patrick O'Connor on behalf of one of his constituents, Hull resident, uh, Cindy Lavin. Now, Cindy's mm-hmm. been trying to get this done for about six years. Uh, she testified this morning before this hearing, which, by the way, only lasted about 10 minutes. It was the only item uh, on the docket. Uh, she says this is something that would send a message to the state to raise uh, the esteem of musicians as well as to be able to consult with the governor to go out and 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 do events throughout the Commonwealth anniversary celebrations uh, the the plan here yeah. uh, would be uh, for nominees to come in and then the governor would choose who they want to be the musician laureate for Massachusetts it would be an unpaid position a two-year term uh, and and Cindy uh, Lavin talked about Texas being the only state that has a musician laureate, though it is common in other parts of the world. And she says that that they this could set a precedence for the country mm-hmm. to have somebody who could go out there and, and and talk about music. There's a lot of musical history in Boston and in the area, and and they would like to see this get done yeah, to promote uh, music and artists here in Massachusetts. Music musicians. and artists, yes. And there was uh, and and I'm ama- amazed here. This is a two year position, not a permanent position, not a permanent position, and yeah. unpaid. It would be something that yeah. would be part of the arts and and they talked about how important it was for you know the arts in Massachusetts and to push these uh, these musical things and uh, Senator O'Connor uh, picked up the torch it's been about six years since Robert Hedlund was senator they've been trying to push this so maybe it'll get done well we'll see what happens all right Ben Parker thank you reporters roundup on this Wednesday January 10th 2018 is now in the books want to thank Andrew Rich over there in master control Ed Golden, our producer today. Kate Gallagher is the editor. And I'm Rod Fritz, WBZ News Radio 1030. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.